team, please. We love you guys. Beautiful production team. Everyone was up early and put your galoshes on and you got here nice and early. And do you know when I walked in this morning and I got here, I don't know, about um, eight o'clock and the faith in the room was so good. And do you know, I was just so blessed this morning because, you know, I've been in environments where people will let the weather set the tone. And it's like, no, no, we're not letting the weather set the tone. We're letting the faithfulness of God and his goodness be the prevailing song in this house. So I honour you this morning and all those with kids. I saw um, Dan and Em and babies and Beck and I'm like, everyone with babies, I just think you need a huge round of applause. Come on. (laughs) So good. So good. Father, this morning, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you for a hedge of protection around people today as they negotiate rivers and rising waters. Father, we thank you that um, you are in control and nothing escapes your attention. And this morning, Lord, as as we gather around your word and as we feast on your presence, I thank you, God, that we will be transformed by who you are and you speaking to us, Father. So I commit this word to you, Lord God, and I pray that you will use my life in these next few minutes, Father. Give me the grace to bring what you've given me to bring. I thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. I am loving this Confident Hope series. Is anyone with me? I just love, you know, when the Bible says, don't throw away your confidence because in it there is great reward. And if the Bible tells you, it gives you a warning, don't throw it away, it means that it is very possible that you can throw it away. You might throw it away or someone might try to steal it from you or circumstance may have tried to silence your confidence, but we as a church this year, we are praying that you will rise in confident hope. And we're in the book of Joshua, and I've loved it. I love that right in that first chapter, we hear, be strong and very courageous, as Joshua is commissioned into new days for him and for Israel. I don't know about you, but I feel us commissioning into new days. Anyone with me out of 2020? Nope, just me and Megs. Okay, Megs, we got it, girl. Anyone else with me this morning? There's a commissioning into new days. The Bible tells us with Joshua that, you know, the, the Lord was saying the old is gone. Like yesterday's gone. Moses is not leading anymore. And now it's your turn. And... Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. I don't know about you. That would have made me nervous, the third one. (laughs) I would have like, ah, okay. But you know, today in Confident Hope, we're talking about living life God's way. God's way. Have you ever had a moment in life where you decided to jump out in faith rather than sit on the sidelines and watch it all happen in front of you rather than cower in fear or maybe you've had a moment where you've cowered in fear 
and you've watched great things happen and you've let fear hold you back. And this is what we find ourselves watching in this passage about Joshua and him going into the promised land, remembering that Joshua and Caleb would both remember the account, which you can read in Numbers 13, where they were sent as part of a gang of 12 to look at the promised land and to bring back a good report so that the Israelites could go and take the ground that God said he would give to them. And they came back and only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, were excited about it. The 10, the majority, the loud voice said, too hard, people are too big, they're going to crush us. They came back um, fear-driven and like the committee. The committee has spoken and we do not believe this is a great idea. I don't know why they had English accents. (laughs) I don't know. But you know, that fear cost the nation 40 years of going round in circles. The fear didn't just contain them. The fear united them. It cost them lives, legacy, and a whole generation of disappointment and lost opportunities. Fear-driven choices will often result in poor outcomes and lost opportunities. Now, you can't complain about something that you wish you'd done if you'd never done anything about it, right? It's like, oh, that's not fair, that's not... It's like, yeah, well, no, you didn't do anything. And fortunately, we find Joshua now determined not to make the same mistake twice. So I'm going to read from Joshua 2. And here they are. Israel is camped at Acacia Grove, it says, which is right right near where they're going to pass through the waters yet again. And it says, Joshua secretly sent out two spies. I reckon that's because he's like, I don't need a gang telling me it can't be done. Two is fine. And he instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. And the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Rahab's house was on the wall of the city. But someone told the king of Jericho that there are some Israelites that have come to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house for they've come here to spy out the land. Scripture doesn't record who these two men were, but we can be certain they were handpicked for this task. And now they had the responsibility of helping to design the strategy of how Israel was going to start on the journey of possession of the promise. My first point, which I didn't mention, but I will mention now, is this. You have got to learn to see with eyes of faith. And not just see what you see, but see with eyes of faith. You know, we can only possess what we first see through the eyes of faith. And that's what's happening here. Joshua's not even considering 
if they will take the land or won't take the land, it was only a matter of how he was going to access the promise, not if he was going to step into the promise. Wasting another 40 years was not an option. And I want to stir your faith this morning. How are you going with your vision? Last year they said 2020 vision. I'm like, actually, I felt like last year caused many people's eyes to dim. And there are times in your life where you've got to stir up what you see with eyes of faith rather than what you see in the natural. If you live by what you see and hear in the natural, you will end up like the 10, too hard, can't do it. Sit back, sit down, someone else will have to go. No, you've been born for such a time as this. See with eyes of faith. See with eyes of faith. The second thought here this morning is about Rahab. And (laughs) the banner over her life, we've called this the redemptive rebellion. Does anyone like that? Remember years ago when we first came here, someone gave Mark a sign for our office that said rebel with a cause. And I really liked it. I'm like, yes. And you know about Rahab, I love that she's the very first person that God introduces us to in the promised land. It's the one that everyone would overlook. It's the one that everyone could easily discard. Let me read to you from Joshua 2. It says, Rahab had hidden the two men. And she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. Liar, liar, pants on fire. They left town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she'd taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossing of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk to them. And this is what she says, and I want you to hear it. Remember, she, she's not an Israelite, she's a Canaanite. Canaanites renowned for worshipping idols, no understanding of the truth of the power of God. And she says this, I know, I know the Lord has given you this land. We are afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. No wonder our hearts melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of heavens above and the earth below. Rahab, a lone pagan woman whose life until now had been anything but heroic. And now she's faced with across the river, there's a nation of lifelong refugees 
who had lived in a cycle of pain because of their parents' disobedience. But she knows that the God who parted the Red Seas, she knows this radical rebel knows in her heart of hearts that God is finally going to give them the land because now they're going to take it. And I've just written here that God's grace over our lives is so much more robust than we could ever know. I love that. I love how Rahab, her life and her faith is now forever changed by this encounter with these two men who she's helping. She's disobeying her own king. She's helping the enemy because she knows that they know the God who created the heavens and earth. She knows that these idols are worthless, that worshipping anything other than the God of all gods is going to end in destruction. And so she responds with this radical act of kindness. It's radical. Can I say this morning, at some point in your life, you will have to choose which voice you're going to listen to, which God you're going to serve. You remember about 35 years ago, Bob Dylan wrote that song, You've Got to Serve Somebody. You've got to serve somebody. I can't do it this morning. I need to scratch your voice. And he says, it might be the devil. Who can sing it? It might be the devil. And it might be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. And the girls go, serve somebody. Yeah, <laughs> we need a choir. But can I say, the truth of those lyrics remain 100% like a clarion call today as they did then. And we watch Rahab shifting her alliance, the alliance of her heart, See, following the call of God actually does divorce us from other callings. It's a big word, divorce. But when you follow the call of God on your life, it separates you from following other lesser calls. The redemptive rebellion. I think Rahab was doing what all of us are faced with at some time in our life as Christ followers. You can either sit, let the current culture sweep you along, or you can be a bit of a rebel, a righteous rebel, against expectations of society and voices that actually seem loud But when you start really looking at them, they're not that loud at all. You've got to watch what you turn the volume up on in your life. And Rahab had to choose to serve the true and living God. She chose to conceal spies from her own king and risk her own life and the life of her family. But, you know, I feel like Rahab had a higher sense of revelation knowledge of God than probably a lot of the people sitting over on the other side of Israel 
who had been, you know, getting manna every day and getting tired of manna, getting tired of the provision of God. And here's this woman who's just a radical. I love her so much. The rebellion against her own king would have been perceived as the worst kind of treason. And if she had been found out before the spies came back to rescue her, she and her family would have been annihilated. But she took this risk because she knew that 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 the Lord, our God, is mighty. Mighty in battle, mighty to save, mighty above all other strengths. That's who he is. So she makes this choice. Think wisdom. Wisdom is always proven right by the fruit of its actions. And it's no different for us today. We, when we put the kingdom of God first and all other relationships and commitments second, and I'm not talking about going to church. You hear my heart today, right? I'm talking about the kingdom of God following Jesus. This is the essence of true discipleship. I want to read to you a scripture that freaks a lot of people out. Jesus said in Luke 14, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Everyone just sit tight, breathe. It's all good. Your father, your mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. It's such a strong um, piece of scripture. And yet I wanted to bring it this morning because it's, it's not, a, don't misread it. It's not asking you to hate your family, right? Can we just all breathe on that, please? God gives us these families. He entrusts us, our families. I feel like the first church is your family, right? The first place of responsibility. But what he's saying here is when you answer the follow me call that God puts before us, he's saying, I'm asking you to look at how your heart responds here to the people so dear to you, and I want to be first. God's saying, I want your heart. I want you to follow me. And do you know the beautiful thing is as you grow in God, (laughs) so will your heart grow to all the things that God has entrusted to you. So will your heart grow. Everyone okay? Breathe, breathe, breathe. Last point. Not really a point. It's more of a thought. But it's this word adoption into God's promises. You know, when I hear that song this morning, Great is Your Faithfulness, You know, all the songs that have throughout history spoken of the faithfulness of God and all the songs that will continue to be sung about the faithfulness of God into all eternity. Do you know why that is? It's because he's faithful. We can't out-sing it. We can't out-praise it. We can't out-thank it. He is faithful Word of God says he's faithful to a thousand generations. He's faithful to Rahab. Not because of her behaviour, but because of his goodness and because there's a moment 
where she starts to open her heart to the word of the Lord and her allegiance shifts from her king to the king of kings. And therefore I can say confidently and she's adopted in to the faithfulness of God, to the promises of God. Joshua 2. I mean, I love this girl. I can't wait for heaven. I mean, I can. I don't want to go there soon. But, but there's so many great people that I want to sit down and like, okay, girl, can we talk? I want to, I want to hear what happened in you. I want to hear about you as a child. How did you end up in the wall? Being like an ear for the king and having to sell yourself. These aren't fables and, you know, stories like what's one of the great writers, I can't think. But, you know, it's not Charles Dickens. It's not. These are stories of people's lives. Joshua 2, she says this. She, she grabs these young men and she makes sure that they're going to stay true to the promise of God for her and her family. She says, now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me. She's not now swear to me by this idol, by the king. People would often use the, name, the king's name to bring like a royal seal. She's going higher. Swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I helped you. She knows that the Canaanites are going down. She knows. She says, give me guarantees that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my family, along with my mother. (laughs) I love that. Go, mum. Brothers, sisters, all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety. The men agreed. And if you don't betray us, We will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. I love this. Adopted into God's promises. You know, there might be people in here this morning, and you may have been a Christian for a long time, but still to this day, you put yourself on the outer ring because I don't deserve the faithfulness of God. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. But the faithfulness of God is not dependent upon our activity. It's dependent on the magnificence and the providence and the sovereignty of our faithful God that he sent Jesus to a cross to pay the penalty, made himself sin, as Brad said this morning. As our hearts are changed, our behaviour changes. It's not a clean up first and then get right with God. God's always had his arms outstretched. Rahab doesn't join the narrative of Israel's promised land with a wholesome reputation. You are amazing. I think you need to give Charlie a huge round of applause. Just the way you came in confidently. I love that. Confident hope. (laughs) but it could come down a little in the wedge. Thanks. (laughs) 
You just keep doing your awesome thing. But I want you to hear it. Now she's a Canaanite enemy. She's a sex worker. She's lied to her king. She commits treason against her own city. It's not someone that we naturally think God is likely to speak to or to use or to, to like highlight. But see, God loves to confound our religious minds, our religious mindsets. By rescuing the spies, Rahab ultimately rescued her entire family, even her own eternity and the future generations. And listen, it's so good. She was adopted into the tribe of Judah, into the nation of Israel, and into the lineage of the Saviour of the world. If you look at the lineage, there's Rahab's name. And you're like, yes! Don't tell me God is not big enough to cover everything that we think. Oh, no, no, that's no, that's so not right. It's like, yes, God is a lover of people. Talk about life and life in all its fullness. Uh, And you know, He also, God uses Rahab to shape the character, the faith and the godliness of her son named Boaz. And Boaz would one day rescue a young Moabite widow named Ruth. I want to tell you, see your yes, your heart leaning fully into the call of God on your life is not just about you today. It is about you today, but it's not just about you today. Generation to generation to generation. There is no disqualification from all the benefits of kingdom life other than when you do not allow God's grace to reach and redeem every person's story. And let me bring it closer, to reach and redeem your story. Do you know right at the end of Revelation when it says, and and they overcame, they overcame the world by the blood of the Lamb, So Jesus has won it all. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And the power of your testimony. I used to think I'd have to make up a really good testimony, right? So that I had something to say that was a bit better than, oh, my parents were divorced and I was broken. But actually, as I got older, I realised the power of my story and the power of God's goodness and His faithfulness. And when I've been unfaithful, He's just more faithful. He says, oh, where sin abounds, grace abounds so much more. Come on, family. Let's surrender to the grace of God again. Do not give the enemy ground that Jesus has already repaired and redeemed. Jesus' own family line shows how God can powerfully use all of us despite where we've come from. Can I hear a great amen this morning? Amen. Amen. This is why we've got to learn to stand up, lift up your head and when conversation around you turns to things that you know are not honouring God, you can say lovingly, hey, I've got something to say about this. Let your voice be heard. Don't let your voice be drowned out under the cry of brokenness. That's all it is. People are amazing. They're just broken. People are amazing. Can I hear 
I want you to hear me this morning. People are amazing. People are amazing. I don't care their background, their, their gender confusion. Their... People are amazing. Oh, you got quiet then. People are amazing. Made in the image of God. Made in the image of God. And yet we can cower because we're going, God's grace, surely it can't be big enough for that. God's grace is big enough for everything. Everything. Don't forget it, church. Our job is to love. Our job is to testify to the goodness of God, not to point the finger. Sometimes the finger we point the, the longest and loudest is actually toward ourselves. You know, and I just speak healing over you this morning. If, if you are hard on yourself, if you disqualify yourself because of your past and you've been a Christian for a while, I just want you to just lift your hands in front of you this morning and just let the Holy Spirit minister to you right now. Just say, my, His grace is sufficient for me. Come on, His grace is sufficient for me. His grace is sufficient for me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're doing a deep work in us in these days. I think my three things that I'd love you to reflect on this week, three thoughts. The first one is this. What do you need to see with eyes of faith? to walk into all God has called you to walk into? What is there in your life that you've let just cloud over or, or become grey, become a bit blah? What do you need to stir up to see with eyes of faith? The second one is, are you going to serve the call of God on your life? Come on, every one of us, has God has called us, commissioned us. And like with Joshua, he's just saying, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. And that third one, do you live with a spirit of grace for yourself and for other people? Can you see them with God's eyes? Can you see them through His lens and not through all the things we don't understand? through the lens of heaven. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning because I just want to pray for you. Team, you can come. Confident hope, confident hope, living life God's way. Father, this morning, over your church, Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you are sharpening our vision. Lord God, that resurrection life that we are sensing you flowing in and through us. Father, I thank You. I thank You for the call of God on our lives. And I thank You, Lord, over the days, weeks and months ahead, even as people are asleep, that as You sing over us, God, You'll awaken that call. Lord, the things that people have put down, we speak resurrection life over Your call. Thank You, Father. Lord God, we pray that we would have eyes to see. That our first response will not be judgment. Our first response will be love. Teach us, God. Teach us as a church.
Teach us as a body of believers. Teach us as individuals. May we grow. May we grow in our fellowship, our discipleship, our personal commitment to you in Jesus' name. Just while every head's bowed, if this morning you'd like me to pray a prayer that actually leads you into a prayer, we call it a prayer of salvation, that leads you to this place of saying, God, I don't want to live life my own way. I want to live life your way. I'm asking you, God, to be the centre of my life. I feel like there's a couple of people this morning and over the last few years, you kind of wandered away. And this morning, I sense the heart of God welcoming you home. If that is you, I want you to put your hand in the air. Church, you are praying. Come on, everyone shut your eyes to give people privacy. If that is you this morning, I wanna pray for you. Amen, I see your hand most importantly, God does. Who else is there this morning? that's saying, God, I want to serve You and You alone. Lord God, Lord God, I need You. I need You in Jesus' Name. Hallelujah. 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 Well, right now, we're going to join with those people responding to Christ this morning. We're going to pray this prayer together. Dearest Lord Jesus, Today, today, with all that I am, with all that I, am, I say yes to you. I say yes to you. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for dying and rising again for me. And rising again. I am now a Christian. I'm now a Christian. Come and fill me, Holy Spirit. Come and fill me, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen.